Hello, and welcome to the Spring Podcast, where socialist ideas take action. I am your host, Laura Conrad. The Spring Podcast is recorded from Mi'kma'ki, the ancestral and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people, and is produced by the Spring Socialist Network. Hello, welcome everyone. Today we have the privilege of speaking with two organizers with Migrant Students United. Today we have Harshal and Abu with us. Harshal has been a member of the Migrant Workers Alliance for Change since November 2021. He came to Canada as an international student in 2019 and has since finished his degree in accounting. And Abu came to Canada in 2018 and is a former international student from Lakehead University and a member of Migrant Students United from Thunder Bay, Ontario. Welcome, Harshal and Abu. Thank you, Laura, for having us. Thanks, Laura. Absolutely. Spring is really excited to have you guys on the podcast today. So let's just dive right in. Harshal and Abu, you are both international students. Can you talk about this categorization? How does this label fit into the Canadian state's exploitation and control of labor? Yeah, uh, thanks, Laura, again. So uh, Canada is uh, famous for having uh, immigrants uh, throughout previous uh, 50 or 60 years. And uh, international students have been uh, called in more in the past 10 or 15 years. The number have shot up. Uh, But first, we have to uh, find a difference between uh, the term uh, international students and migrant workers. Uh, We at Migrant Students United and, uh, and MVAC, we believe that the term international student shouldn't be used, but instead the term migrant students or migrant workers should be used because uh, essentially we are uh, we come here not just to study, uh, but to work as well. The uh, caricaturized image of, you know, this uh, international foreign exchange, rich student driving Lamborghinis, uh, that's uh, that's just a thing of the past. And that's for a very, very tiny minority of students. Uh, most students who come here uh, come here to work and then they send money back home. So we are essentially working to sustain ourselves and to uh, increase our uh, employer business and the uh, Canadian economy in general. Uh, the second thing is is that we don't have the rights uh, as a permanent citizen. Uh, sorry, uh, we don't have the rights as a permanent resident or a citizen of Canada. So uh, we don't really have any say in the decisions that are being made out, uh, made up uh, about our lives. So uh, even though the uh, Canadian government might make some uh, decision on, uh, let's say, how many uh, international students or migrant students to call in uh, this year, depending on the labor shortages, we absolutely have no uh, say in that. So uh, that's why I believe it's important to uh, shift this identity from an international student to a migrant worker or students. The uh, Canadian state exploitation, one way which they do is that they give us these arbitrary uh, uh, distinction. So let's say there's a separate stream for caregivers and a separate stream on, on how does a refugee get a permanent residence. So uh, it's these ways of dividing up, uh, uh, which is one form of exploitation. Uh, we think it's very important for all migrants to uh, come together in uh, solidarity because that is where our power is formed. 
that uh, even though we might be in a different uh, situation, somebody is working as a caregiver and I'm an, you know, migrant student working part-time at a restaurant, our uh, demands are basically the same to have a status for all uh, because our political situation is the same, that we are migrants and we don't, you know, uh, have a say in this on how uh, decisions are being made up, uh, made up about our lives. And all we want are the rights that we uh, deserve, like health insurance to see our family, you know, uh, once in a while. And this uh, distinction is uh, profitable for uh, businesses, landlords, employers, but it still goes on. And by uh, fighting for this, we believe that we can remove this uh, exploitation, form of exploitation. Thank you. Abu, did you have anything to add to that? Uh, sure, I think in terms of international students, uh, like we are international students and we work here. Uh, we work in, like uh, we do jobs, like uh, from grocery stores, from coffee shop, from delivering your foods, right? So we are migrant workers as well, right? Uh, we work here without uh, protections or our rights because of uh, not having permanent residence. There are uh, like a, there we have a two-tier immigration systems in one uh, one way there's people who come here with permanent residence and there are other parts of migrants like international students or farm workers they come to Canada without permanent residence and as a result uh, we are denied from our basic rights like healthcare uh, or like a labor protections and which is really like a, a form of exploitations and really helping like uh, our employers it helps our uh, schools they can take more money from us like university or college our landlord can exploit us more uh, um, this is a form of like a like a exploitations on so many levels just because of for us not having permanent residence and during covid we saw that like uh, we worked in essential work and made many important jobs which kept our economy moving but we were not uh, we, we didn't have the option to get uh, like CRV, like things like CRV were limited to us, right? And we had to pay high tuition fee and everything. And there's the thing like provinces are cutting education funds and we international students are, are paying more tuition fee to cover those fees up and treating it more like a cash cow for more of those organizations, right? And as a result, of course, we are having, we are suffering like mental health issues, 
uh, housing issues, paying high rent. Um, this is all just a few examples of like exploitations, which is like which is benefiting uh, like uh, everyone, including government, um, employers, landlord, and the list goes on. Yeah, and the good thing is uh, we migrant uh, students are organizing and we are taking actions because we know we are the only one who can protect us. And once we are united and take action, we can make sure we can change that. Like uh, we can win for our good. Thank you. Thank you, Abu. I just wanted to ask Abu, I know that there's a 20 hour per week maximum that student, uh, international student workers are allowed to work through their student visas. Um, can you maybe just briefly describe how that limit on the number of hours you're allowed to work a week ignores the realities of the living expenses and uh, perhaps pushes international students into precarious work in some instances? Well, um, we, we can see like inflation is probably the highest in so many decades, right? And from like uh, our rent went up, uh, like our, our rent went up, our grocery went up, our, we have to pay tuition fee four to five times more than local students and on top of that we have a ridiculous uh, 20 hours working restrictions this is not this is not helping anyone because now like international students are forced to work uh, cash jobs or are forced to take a low waste job without labor protections or uh, what is that called? And as a result, uh, if something happens in your job, like any accidents, I think Harshil can tell, tell more about that. Any accident or like any other thing happens, you are not protected by health insurance or you're not protected by labor law. And on top of that, government is not getting the tax, right? So I think this is this is not fair because we should, the international students, we should be given the chance to take our own decisions. And we are the one who knows how many hours we can work when we're in schools. Sometimes when you are in school, you can work 10 hours. Sometimes you, you have less study pressure, you can work 30 hours. I think it should be, uh, we should have the rights to choose how many hours we want to work and not someone else making our own decisions, right? Yeah, uh, simply put, uh, 20 hours is not an, uh, enough time to work and to survive and that to at minimum wage, like what? $15 an hour and especially in a big city like Toronto so what uh, most people do is they work more than 20 hours 
and they take a part of their uh, salary on cash uh, and a part of their uh, salary on, through the send number through the check uh, in early 2021 uh, i was working uh, at a restaurant uh, on cash and uh, most places they offer uh, less than the minimum wage if you're working on cash because then and, and this is again one of the systemic things that employers can take advantage of you because you don't have the power to speak against them uh, because if you do then uh, you are in trouble as well from the immigration department so uh, i was working on cash uh, at a pizza restaurant and uh, i got into an injury on my left finger but uh, 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 and then I had to go through uh, surgery, uh, hospitals, uh, uh, emergency room visits, stitches, and all. And my restaurant said that uh, they're not going to offer me any compensation, uh, and I shouldn't go to uh, WSIB uh, because, uh, and uh, this is the way they put it to me because I'll be in trouble, they'll be in trouble, and then they hire the migrants and refugees, so it's like the whole place shut down, and. And I thought of myself first that, uh, yes, that they're speaking right. I shouldn't say that I was, you know, this happened in a restaurant. So I told the hospital that, that this was a domestic accident. And uh, basically, fortunately, I had uh, health insurance from my college uh, because I was enrolled in a course uh, that time. So uh, that covered everything. Uh, but I wasn't able to work for two or three weeks after that. And still my finger is damaged. But... Uh, just imagine if I didn't have the private health insurance or if I was out of school, let's say for four months or something like that, I, I would have to pay that six or $7,000 bill on my own without any compensation. So uh, that is one of the uh, restrictions of a uh, 20 hour work limit. Uh, I also once heard uh, somebody working in a fast food chain that their employer used to uh, deduct 30 minutes for lunch even though he didn't give them a dedicated lunch but he still used to cut 30 minutes of the pay and uh, and i told them why don't you speak out against him complain to the labor department because that is not a, uh, that is not legal and then they said the same thing what 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 every international student says that uh, you know they're working 27 28 hours and if they tell it to the labor department then it's going to blow up and everybody's going to find out and then their immigration status will be in trouble and so uh, that's one of the limitations of 20-hour work week. And as Abu said, uh, it should be up to the person however much they want to work, 10 hours, 40 hours. And it's not something uh, unrealistic because uh, in the beginning of pandemic throughout 2020 and I think half of 2021, the government uh, allowed uh, people to work more than 20 hours. So it's so it's not like... Uh, and, uh, you know, a non-realistic demand. Uh, it's a very pragmatic fix to this demands we are asking. Sorry, one more thing to add. Like most shifts are like eight hours uh, in almost every jobs, like a minimum wage jobs, that's eight hour shift. And if you take like a two, if you work two days a week, that's 16 hours, which is less than 20 hours. And then if you like, I, I really don't think 20 hours make any sense in any way. It it just gives more powers to employers because you are going to work more than 20 hours anyways because there's no way you can survive working uh, 20 hours 
and you have to pay your grocery, you have to pay your rent, you have to pay your, uh, what is that called, tuition fee, right? It just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. And during COVID government allowed us to work more than 20 hours for a reason, because that kept the economy moving because international students are working in essential workers and we are keeping the economy surviving. And now after like, a, it, it seems like the after COVID has been like a slowed down or something, now we're getting forgotten about like our contribution. Thank you for explaining that. Could you each tell us about Migrant Students United and how you both got involved? Um, maybe Abu, you could go first. Well, like Migrant Students United, I uh, guess the first uh, started in 2009, like a 19, uh, based on like a, a story of Jovandeep Sandhu in 2017 uh, got arrested and deported for working more than 20 hours and it, it made a, like a huge effect on all of us, right? And everyone was like, there was like a 50,000 uh, signature on petitions to stop the deportations. And pretty much that uh, created the necessi necessity for uh, organizations for us to uh, make sure we are protected, we are united, we have a place where we can make our voice, where we can take our own decisions, where we as a, a group of migrant students can fight back for us from unfair um, rules and injustices like this, right? So that's how Migrant uh, Students United got formed. And we make our own decisions here. We are more like a member-based organizations. And we decide our own policy and how we want to make our organizations going forward uh unlike uh, like that's how we roll and i got involved in 2020 in migrant students united when i was in lakehead university and the lakehead university uh increased tuition fee for like a 13 percent tuition fee increase for international students during COVID when they froze the tuition fee for local students, which was totally unfair. And and that really, um, uh, what is that called? Inspire us to get organized and making sure uh, we, we, we protested against that. And that's how really we got, like I got into Migrant Students United. Thanks, Abu. Um, Harshal? Um, me, I got involved with Migrant Students United 
in uh, November or October of 2021 when uh, there was this news article about uh, wage theft and two organizations were primarily fighting for it. The first was uh, NSN, Nojawan Sena Network, and the second was Migrant Students United. So I found their hyperlink and uh, one of their things they were fighting for was the 20 hour work limit among other things. And me, when I had that uh, accident uh, uh, at the restaurant, so so uh, that demand really resonated with me. And uh, when I joined them, it was uh, like a very good uh, collective. It uh, it wasn't like, uh, you know, one leader is making the uh, decisions for you. Uh, it's all of us, the members, the uh, actual migrants who come together to uh, talk about our struggles and then see uh, see uh, what demands are the most prominent among us and then uh, accordingly talk with the uh, government and the immigration department or uh, members of parliament to bring those uh, demands about. Uh, uh, people think that this uh, crisis of uh, immigrants and international students was something only during the pandemic but uh, this is the crisis which has been going throughout even before and after the pandemic so uh, now you can see that the government opened their express, uh, express entry doors and the score is too high for most people to be qualified to get a pr so uh, msu is working uh, actively towards that to ensure that uh, we get the rights and we get the the uh, demands that we uh, put forward and uh, that is done through in a very uh, uh, collective way that we speak about ourselves, not somebody else make the decisions for us. Thank you. So Canada's immigration system does not reflect a society that values all human life as equal, when in truth we are all humans that exist on this planet together. Um, in order to remove the process of valuing some people as more valuable than others, some labor as more valuable than others, um, Harshal, what transformation is needed in the immigration system to address the problems faced by student workers? Uh, so uh, the first would be the uh, removal of the 20-hour uh, limit. Uh, migrants should be allowed to work more than 20 hours. They should be either allowed to work 40 or unlimited hours. And while that doesn't get to the root of the problem, at least, you know, it fixes our uh, short-term uh, channels for uh, exploitation. The uh, second demand is that uh, all of the work, with, all the work that we do, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, like a blue-collar job or white-collar job, uh, it should all be counted towards uh, permanent residency. Uh, because right now the government has a tier system. It's called national occupa national occupation classification, and then there's the four codes: NOC O, A, B, C, D, and then jobs are divided among. For example, a farm worker is NOC C, but let's say if you are uh, like a marketing manager, it would be NOC A or O. And uh, to qualify for PR, you either need NOC O, A, B, and uh, these jobs are not easy to get especially if you don't have Canadian experience so we say that you know uh, count all the experience toward uh, the uh, points of permanent residency because uh, the pandemic really showed us that uh, what's considered uh, essential labor in this society and what's not considered essential labor so 
uh, we can see that uh, people are demanding an end to this uh, classification system that all jobs are equal and uh, this is one of the other changes needed in the immigration system and uh, i think uh, the third one and the most immediate would be to make the uh, the postgraduate work permit renewable so uh, once you finish your studies uh, like once you graduate you get a postgraduate work permit and uh, you get it for a time period of uh, from uh, it's either a duration of eight months and it can go up to a maximum of three years uh, and you get this uh, work permit only once in your life it doesn't matter how many courses you have done so uh, that's that and people are not able to find jobs in that short period of time let's say two or three years uh, because migrants have to work uh, at least 12 months to uh, to qualify for the uh, PR express entry system and a lot of uh, people are uh, unable to find jobs and then they post uh, the work permit gets expired the the other ways to keep on living in this country are to either uh, extend your uh, visitor visa apply for a new visa i mean or you can just you know be uh, undocumented without papers and uh, nobody wants to go back home after spending so much time and effort and money uh, in the country uh, making this feel like your home so uh, people don't want to go back and uh, that's one of the other demands to make this pgwp permanently renewable and uh, like the 20-hour work limit uh, the government has made this pg uh, wp renewable uh, twice the first in 2021 and the the second a couple of months ago so so uh, again it's a very uh, realistic solution and it takes into account all these uh, individual story let's say a work permit got expired but immigration department has so many backlogs that the person is uh, un the person is unable to navigate through the whole process and then they lose the status and they have to go back so the fix would be to make the pgwp renewable yeah. could you also maybe describe what status for all means uh status for all is our uh, main slogan and it takes into account all the 1.7 million uh, migrants in canada so our movement says that it's not just us who we have to support we have to support the entire working class and uh, first and foremost the migrants which i said are like caregivers refugees farm workers so it's essentially to get status for all of us because we need health insurance and we need uh, the power that comes with this uh, political status and uh, our status for all essentially is for us to get our rights and not be in this state of uh, uncertainty and uh, temporariness all the time of having to you know think every day what's life gonna look like in six months will i even be uh, in canada or not if my paper gets expired and so on and uh, status for all is this uh, umbrella term to bring all the migrants together and that is our uh, starting point to uh, begin this fight and be in this uh, struggle together. Thank you. 
We at Spring have been following your organization closely and are very excited to hear about the changes you have already won in such a short time. Could you share with our listeners some of the recent developments that came as a result of your organizing? Uh, so uh, in terms of uh, direct public policies, we have been able to win two uh, major changes. Uh, the first one is the extension of work permit. When uh, jobs were when jobs were really hard to find during pandemic, a lot of work permits were being expired. So uh, for that, we did a lot of uh, petitioning and we made a lot of uh, phone zaps to Sean Fraser and Justin Trudeau. We started with that in February or March of this year, and uh, and then we uh, did these uh, phone zaps and petitioning, you know, uh, in-person actions uh, at the May Day rally, and and the uh, government gave us the uh, extension for people whose work permit are expiring from. Uh, February 1st to December 31st of this year, but uh, for some reason they left out people whose work permit were expiring in December 2021 and January 2022. So we did separate actions for that and uh, our members went uh, directly up to Sean Fraser when he was in Toronto and uh, I think in the next uh, two or three days the plan was announced that the the work permit expired uh, people whose work permit expired in jan and december will also be a part of this uh public policies and uh, i remember we went to uh, individual mps offices we did uh postering outside their office and uh, and the poster included a picture of the mp uh, which listed our demands and said that uh, more than ten thousand people will be uh, deported if you don't take uh, direct action the uh, second thing is uh, TR2PR, which came in early 2021, I think. Uh, so that was for temporary residents, migrants to get permanent residency quicker because the Canadian economy was going through a labor shortage as well. And for that, we did uh, mass actions in uh, Toronto, uh, Montreal, and uh, Ottawa. So that was that. And but. The policy only included 40,000 people, but in reality, there there's so many more for that. So uh, another point is that this uh, PR system and getting status, it, it shouldn't be like a competition uh, because it's a question of our livelihoods and being uh, just being able to offer 40,000 spots, which were closed in less than two days. The spots were filled in less than two days. Uh, they should open these uh, spots more. Uh, apart from that, we have been getting a lot of media coverage by mainstream news channels, uh, CBC, and uh, print media such as uh, Globe and Toronto Star. Uh, uh, politicians have been bringing up this issue in the parliament about uh, immigration and uh, migrants in general. Uh, a lot of uh, unions have uh, one of their main demands as status for all is that uh, in the sense they recognize us as part of the working class. Uh, other grassroots organizations like uh, Najwan Sena Network, which fights for uh, wage theft, uh, we have been working directly with them. 
uh, we have been establishing our presence on the street by just uh, postering on the uh, uh, on the streets uh, on uh, notices board and so on so yeah the movement is really picking up thank you so much can you share how socialists can show support for your campaign and if there are international students listening how can they get involved so uh, the government after a very very long time they're trying to come up with a regular a regularization program which will make a permanent residency easier for migrants and we have an active campaign going on for that so if people can sign the petitions uh, uh, that will be uh, really helpful because the more signatures we get the better it will be uh, try to talk with your local MP about the, the struggles and uh, join our uh, monthly meetings uh, you know and uh, join our uh, in-person actions show support just by uh, being there and if you have any kind of uh, media outlet like spring which can uh, you know take this information out into the wider public uh, share our story share our individual story share what our demands are and how we have fought for those and how we have won for those uh, for uh, petitions uh, for example a couple of weeks ago in uh, Migrante Alberta which is our uh, sister organization they were uh, a caregiver was being deported she got an order from the immigration department to deport but that campaign got more than 5,000 petitions and uh, so her uh, deportation was stopped and she was allowed to stay in the country uh, the point is is that if people come together to show support then the state or the immigration department will realize that uh, this is not a tiny uh, sect of people fighting for themselves it's people uh, public in general want uh, migrants to stay and uh, being more welcoming to us i mean we are working class movement and we're migrant uh, workers migrant students and I would like to see like a students union or teacher unions or like a any like a working class people to support us because we have a shared uh, story of struggles when we are together united we are more powerful and we are more likely to win changes uh, if you look at university or college or our like uh, education systems, we are seeing the trend that our education system is getting less funding from the government uh, or the jobs, like Harshil said, like uh, the more and more jobs are getting more like temporary, which means less protection, less rights you like more like gig economy kind of thing and there's one way to win back against those uh unfair uh policies 
by organizing, coming together, uh, coming as a, like a, making sure we are like a, helping each other to win, uh, like a win against those unfair, unfair stuff, whether it's by our workers or by our landlords or our like a government. That's what I would tell other folks who are listening, whether they're from a students' union or any union, right? There's something I would like to add here. Yeah. Let's join our like a let's join. If you were like a working, maybe join a union or maybe try to get organized because there is a power in number. Um, some of the things which is really difficult for one person to achieve. If we are as a team, uh, we can achieve uh, our rights and things get easier for us. And it, it gets more difficult for, um, what is that called? Like to others to exploit us when you, we are united. Another uh, show of support I feel is that we can get by teachers uh, because uh, because of because a lot of migrant students they're working in the gig economy you know uh, uber eats and skip the dishes and uh, i've talked with some uh, teachers at my college and just just uh, generally and and uh, they said that they're being hired more on a subcontract basis as well so that they would teach uh, this semester but they wouldn't know if they have the job for the next semester or not so they have to work and uh, teach in multiple uh, institutions at the same time just to get going and then this uh, doesn't really improve on the quality of uh, education that if a person is always uh, worried about what's gonna uh, hold in the future so i feel that uh, this is a common point between uh, teachers and us migrant students is that you know both of us are part of this gig economy and uh, this is again one of the things that uh, unites us in uh, in the sense that we should uh, fight together f to uh, get out of this system of uh, uncertainty and uh, temporariness. And uh, another thing I wanted to add, when migrants, they get their uh, permanent uh, residency through the established channels, uh, some of them, they forget that they were once a migrant too. And, and uh, this is very important in the sense that uh, we should all stay together all the time and a person shouldn't uh, forget uh, where they came from. Uh, a little anecdote, for example, uh, some of my relatives, they came in the country 20, 25 years ago and they were really, uh, when they were immigrants, they were uh, really supportive of the liberal system, you know, oh, the government should uh, focus more on immigrants, give them better rights and so on. And uh, as soon as they became uh, citizens, uh, settled into the new lives, they uh, completely changed their stance from a liberal to a conservative one, which said that, oh, you know, maybe the government shouldn't give uh, so many rights to immigrants, they're calling uh, as much as it is. So I think that uh, forgetting your roots uh, is not a positive thing and uh, migrants should always support each other, whether you are international students, refugee, farm worker, and so on.
Can you share your website so people can find the petitions? So uh, our website is uh, migrantworkersallianceforchange.org. And uh, in that, we have uh, support for farm workers, care, care workers, and migrant students. And uh, you can find all the details over there. And our uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram handle, we keep we uh, constantly keep posting about uh, all the actions that we have done and uh, what are our struggles and how we have fought for those. So, yeah. That's great. And what are those social media handles? Uh, so on Instagram, it would be MSU. Uh, the uh, It's called uh, Migrant Students United on Instagram. And uh, just today, we uh, posted that we might have more uh, online actions on uh, September 14th and September 18th. So if people can come to that too. Uh, and my personal Instagram is Herschel DH. So H A R S H I L L D H. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, thank you both for your time today, for your work, um, for taking the time to share all this with our listeners. Um, really appreciate and value you, both of you. And thank you so, so much for talking with us today. Uh, thank you for inviting us. It was a pleasure to talk. Thank you for listening to the Spring Podcast. To learn more about Spring, visit our website at springmag.ca. We welcome your feedback. If you have questions or ideas for future podcast episodes, you can send us an email at info at springmag.ca. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, or review this podcast.